ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد سكيرينغ اون ويل Bahjat Qulub al-Abrar, the delights for the hearts of the pious. We've been going through various ahadith from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And the last hadith that we covered in the previous session was the hadith of Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu qal, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, إِنَّ اللَّهَ قَالَ Indeed Allah said مَنْ عَادَ لِي وَلِيًّا فَقَدْ آذَنْتُهُ بِالْحَرْبِ وَمَا تَقَرَّبَ إِلَيَّ عَبْدِي بِشَيْءٍ أَحَبَّ إِلَيَّ مِمَّا افْتَرَضْتُهُ عَلَيْهِ وَمَا يَزَالُ عَبْدِي يَتَقَرَّبُ إِلَيَّ بِالنَّوَافِلِ حَتَّى أُحِبَّهِ فَإِذَا أَحْبَبْتُهُ كُنْتُ سَمْعَهُ الَّذِي يَسْمَعُ بِهِ وَبَصَرَهُ الَّذِي يُبْصِرُ بِهِ وَيَدَهُ الَّتِي يَبْطِشُ بِهَا وَرِجْلَهُ الَّتِي يَمْشِي بِهَا وَلَئِنْ سَأَلَنِي لَعَطِيَنَّ وَلَئِنْ اسْتَعَاذَنِي لَأُعِيذَنَّ وَمَا تَرَدَّدْتُ عَنْ شَيْءٍ أَنَا فَاعِلُهُ تَرَدُّدِي عَنْ قَبْضِ نَفْسِ الْمُؤْمِنِ يَكْرَهُ الْمَوْتِ وَأَكْرَهُ مَسَاءَتَهُ وَلَا بُدَّ لَهُ مِنْهُ رواه البخاري In this hadith we had seen that Allah سبحانه وتعالى mentions مَنْ عَادَ لِي وَلِيًّا فَقَدْ آذَنْتُهُ بِالْحَرْبَ Whomsoever harms one of my awliya, one of the righteous and the pious, as you may hear sometimes the friends of Allah, the pious and the righteous, the awliya of Allah, whomsoever harms one of them, then it mentions Allah is at war with that person, with the one who harms the righteous. And then, وَمَا تَقَرَّبَ إِلَيَّ عَبْدِي بِشَيْءٍ أَحَبَّ إِلَيَّ مِمَّا افْتَرَضْتُ عَلَيْهِ That a servant does not seek closeness to Allah with anything more beloved to Allah than the obligatory acts, the obligations that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prescribed, has obligated upon the servants, then that is the most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of the actions and the worships and the obediences that you can do. Because no doubt the obligations come first, then the sunnah and the lesser acts. 
But the obligations take the priority. And that's why when people always ask about the day of Arafah, the day of Arafah which has just gone by, to fast on that day, of course, is a sunnah. As the hadith mentions, يُكَفِّرُ السَّنَةَ الْمَاضِيَةَ وَالْبَاقِيَةَ It expiates the previous year and upcoming year of sins. So people always ask, if I still have days of Ramadan left to do, then am I allowed to fast the day of Arafah or not? Or they ask, if I still have days of Ramadan, can I fast on the day of Arafah with both intentions? The intention of making up the day of Ramadan and the intention of the day of Arafah. Some of the scholars have said, based upon what we've just been saying, that the obligations take priority over everything else. Arafah compared to Ramadan, which one is obligation? Ramadan, which one is sunnah? Arafah. So some of the scholars, they said, you cannot combine on that same day with two intentions. The day of Ramadan, the obligatory act is an independent obligatory act of worship. You make your intention for that, it is that. You can't start adding other intentions into it. When you're fasting Ramadan, do you add other intentions into it? Nothing. Ramadan, Ramadan. Obligatory, obligatory. So some scholars say you can't combine the sunnah one into your obligatory one. Do your obligatory one first. If you haven't made up Ramadan days yet, do them first. They take priority over Arafah. Same with the six days of Shawwal. The famous hadith about fasting the six days after finishing Ramadan. The condition the scholars mention is that you must have completed your days of Ramadan before you can do those six days of Shawwal. To get the reward of the year of fasting, you must complete the obligatory first before you can do that sunnah of shawwal. If a person still had days left to make up, and they didn't make up those days, but they did the six intentions of shawwal, six days, you wouldn't be included in the hadith of the reward of the year. Because you need to do the obligatory before that optional and supererogatory. So, some of the scholars have mentioned that principle generally, that obligations take priority over supererogatory fasts. So here Allah says, وَمَا تَقَرَّبَ إِلَيَّ عَبْدِي بِشَيْءٍ أَحَبَّ إِلَيَّ مِمَّا افْتَرَضْتُ عَلَيْهِ That my servant does not see closeness to me with anything more beloved to me, than what I have obligated upon him. وَمَا يَزَالُ عَبْدِي يَتَقَرَّبُ إِلَيَّ بِالنَّوَافِلِ 
hatta uhibba and my servant carries on seeking closeness to me with the obligations but also with the nawafil a person does that and worships Allah in that way until Allah says I love him this is talking about the people of the higher levels of iman because who are the people of the higher levels of iman they are the people who fulfill all of the obligations but then on top of that they also strive with the optional sunnah nawafil some people they do the obligations and that's it nothing else but others who are higher in their levels of iman do all of the obligations but then on top of that they also do the supererogatory the optional the sunnah those are the types of people who are reaching the higher levels of iman so here allah says that a person carries on doing that the obligations and seeks closeness to me doing the supererogatory the optional fasts until i love him فَإِذَا أَحْبَبْتُهُ And so if I love him, كُنْتُ سَمْعَهُ الَّذِي يَسْمَعُ بِهِ Then I am his hearing, that he hears with, وَبَصَرُهُ الَّذِي يُبْصِرُ بِهِ And his eyesight that he sees with, and his hand that he performs his actions with, and his legs that he walks with. In this section in particular, الشيخ, Abd al-Rahman al-Sa'di rahimahullah ta'ala mentions in the explanation of it thumma dhakara sifat al-awliya' as-sifa al-kamila wa anna awliya Allah hum alladhina taqarrabu ila Allah bi ada' al-fara'id awwalan min salatin wa siyamin wa zakatin wa hajjin wa amrin bil-ma'ruf وَنَهِينَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَجِهَادٍ وَقِيَامٍ بِحُقُوقِهِ وَحُقُوقِ عِبَادِهِ الْوَاجِبَةِ That the awliya of Allah, and remember we were saying to distinguish between the awliya of Allah and the awliya of a shaytan. Because many people out there, they claim our imams are the awliya of Allah. They are the great awliya of Allah. Many of the misguided Sufis out there and their likes, So here we distinguish who the true awliya of Allah are from those who are not. So the true awliya of Allah are the ones who fulfill the obligations. Firstly, in terms of prayer and fasting and zakat and hajj and enjoining the good and forbidding the evil and jihad and establishing the rights of Allah and the rights of the people the awliya of Allah they have those characteristics in them as a starter straight away you can see many of their people do not have these characteristics even prayer some of them do not pray claiming they've reached such a level that they don't have to pray anymore You know straight away they are not awliya of Allah they are awliya of a shaytan 
ثم انتقلوا من هذه الدرجة إلى التقرب إليه بالنوافل. So after those righteous and pious servants, they sought closeness to Allah by doing all of the obligatory actions upon them, fulfilling those obligations upon them. They then move on and also perform the sunan, the nawafil, the supererogatory, the optional acts seeking closeness to Allah via them also. فَإِنَّ كُلَّ جِنْسٍ مِنَ الْعِبَادَاتِ الْوَاجِبَةِ مَشْرُوعٌ مِنْ جِنْسِهِ نَوَافِلْ فِيهَا فَضَائِلٌ عَظِيمَةٌ تُكْمِلُ الْفَرَائِضُ وَتُكْمِلُ ثَوَابَهَا Every obligatory act has an optional version to it as well. So with the prayer, is there an obligation in the prayer? Of course, five a day. Are there optional prayers? Absolutely. All of the different sunnas and the nawafil you can pray all day long. Various different optional and sunnah prayers, of course. Zakat, obligation or not? For the one who the rules apply and the amounts, etc. Obligation. Besides that, as an optional act you have, sadaqah. Fasting, is there an obligation? Ramadan. Outside of that, so many sunnah ones. So many Monday, Thursday, six days of Shawwal, the day of Arafah, the day of Ashura. The lunar white days of every month, three days of every month, so many days. Hajj, obligation once a year for the one capable with the conditions upon him. After you've done that, you can go again as Umrah, but you can go again as Hajj again, optional one. If you've already done Hajj once in your life before, that is your obligatory one finished. When you go next time, now this is Nafal, it is from the Nawafil, it is an optional Hajj you are doing, you don't have to go again, there's no obligation to go again, but you're going again as an optional act for the reward again. So all of these obligatory acts, the Shaykh says, all of them have an optional version afterwards too. So the righteous, the true awliya of Allah, what do they do? Firstly, they fulfill the actual obligations. Then they also move on to filling as many as the optional versions of them too. They do the obligatory and then they do all of the optionals linked with them. If you look at the biographies of the Salaf, how many times they used to make Hajj and imagine those days. They would set off three months before Hajj on their donkeys walking from Iraq and Jordan and all the places. Two, three months before they would start traveling to go Hajj. And they would do it every year. Imagine one month on your donkey and your horses traveling to get to Mecca to do your Hajj. 
Then you finish your hajj, then one month going back. It's taken two months to go and do your hajj. Then a few months of home. When one month is left for next year, again, two months of your year, every year gone on hajj. Some of the salaf, it's mentioned about them, Saeed ibn Jubair for example, forget about just that. On top of that, he used to go once a year for Umrah as well. He used to live in Iraq. In those days, imagine where Iraq is now, even going on plane, take you an hour, two hours. In those days from Iraq, once a year he used to go out, journey, 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 hajj. Back, journey, journey, journey. Barely you get any time, a few months, start again, journey, journey for Umrah. Do your Umrah, journey all the way back. Barely any time left, start again for next year Hajj. That's what he used to do. He used to go twice a year journeying out to go to Mecca to do Hajj and Umrah and come back. One Hajj, one Umrah every year. That's almost maybe what, three, four months of his year gone on that two acts of worship. And of course, traveling, lose the time in ibadah, in worship, in studying, etc. And this was all... Imagine now, Saeed ibn Jubair, we just said he used to do that twice a year. And he was doing all of that whilst he was actually a wanted man. Al-Hajjaj ibn Yusuf at that time, he was after Saeed ibn Jubair for 12 years. Saeed ibn Jubair was living in hiding for 12 years. He was a wanted man by Al-Hajjaj who was killing the companions. Saeed knew if he got caught, killed. Still under that, he used to quietly go twice a year to Mecca, quietly do Hajj, Umrah and go. So, the righteous and the pious, they fulfill all of the obligations. Then on top of that, they do what they can from the optional versions on top of that. Even now, the scholars who are alive, every year, many of them going on Hajj. Every year. So many times, all the salaf, all the way through, you see this is how their example is. With the prayer too, all of them praying the night prayer, all of them praying the nawafil and the sunan, with fasting again too, fasting all of the time. It's mentioned about the salaf, they used to fast so much outside of Ramadan, for the rest of the 11 months, so much fasting they used to do. So these are the righteous, these are the awliya of Allah. فَأَوْلِيَاءُ اللَّهِ قَامُوا بِالْفَرَائِضِ وَالنَّوَافِلِ So the awliya of Allah, they are the ones who perform the obligations and the supererogatory. فَتَوَلَّاهُمْ وَأَحَبَّهُمْ وَسَهَّلَ لَهُمْ كُلَّ طَرِيقٍ يُوصِلُهُمْ إِلَى رِضَاهِ as a consequence, the fact that a servant strives to fulfill the obligations of Allah and strives on top of that to do the nawafil, then that servant Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes his life easy for him to do worship, easy for him to do things that are from the pleasure of Allah makes it easy for him to carry on getting more and more reward. Allah makes that path easy for that servant, because that servant is striving for the pleasure of Allah, striving to do the obligations, striving to do the nawafil, so Allah makes his path easier, easy upon those 
righteous actions and getting the reward. وَوَفَّقَهُمْ وَسَدَّدَهُمْ فِي جَمِيعِ حَرَكَاتِهِمْ And Allah gives them success and makes them successful in everything they do. Allah gives them success in their lives, gives them success in what they are doing, and makes it good for them what they are doing, makes their affairs good and solid, whatever they are, what they are doing. فَإِن then that is the meaning of what we've just read. That when Allah says, those people, فَإِذَا أَحْبَبْتُهُ كُنْتُ سَمْعَهُ الَّذِي يَسْمَعُ بِهِ وَبَصَرَهُ الَّذِي يُبْصِرُ بِهِ وَيَدَهُ الَّتِي يَبْضِشُ بِهَا وَرِجْلَهُ الَّتِي يَمْشِي بِهَا I am his eyesight that he sees and hearing that he hears and hands that he does his actions and legs that he walks. That is the meaning of it. That Allah is in that person's aid. Allah is making that person's affairs easy. Allah is making that person's path to the pleasure of Allah and the reward of Allah easy. Allah is giving that person success in his life. That is the meaning of it. So if that is the meaning of it, everybody needs to stop and ponder over this for a moment. When all the people they talk about, I'm having this difficulty in my life, and I'm having that difficulty in my life, and this problem and that problem, consider the very basics of rectification for yourself. And that is these basics. That you fulfill the obligations Allah has prescribed upon you. And that you seek to strive. You strive to seek closeness to Allah through the nawafil also. Do all of that and look what Allah promises you. That Allah will make your affairs good and sound and give you success, give you peace, tranquility in your hearts. But when the people have abandoned fulfilling the obligations of the religion, let alone the nawafil and the sunan, then where do you expect to have the success in your life and the contentment and the peace and to be upon a path of pleasure of Allah? How do you expect that when you have abandoned fulfilling even the obligations, let alone the nawafil? وَمَعَ تَسْدِيدِهِ لَهُمْ فِي حَرَكَاتِهِمْ جَعَلَهُمْ مَجَابِ الدَّعْوَةِ إِنْ سَأَلُوهُ أَعْطَاهُ مُجَابِي الدَّعْوَةِ إِنْ سَأَلُوهُ أَعْطَاهُ مَصَالِحَ دِينِهِمْ وَدُنْيَاهُمْ وَإِنْ اسْتَعَاذُوهُ مِنَ الشُّرُورِ أَعَاذَهُمْ Another great virtue of those righteous, of the awliya, those who fulfill the obligations and the nawafil, they strive to seek closeness to Allah. What is another great virtue Allah gives those types of righteous practicing Muslims? That Allah answers their du'as. Allah answers their du'as. So when they make a du'a and they ask for something which is of benefit to them in this world, or of the hereafter, then Allah answers their dua and they are given what they have asked for. 
due to their righteousness and uprightness upon the obligations and the nawafil, seeking closeness and the pleasure of Allah, they're striving like that upon sincerity in their lives, then Allah answers their du'as when they ask for whatever the affair may be in their worldly or in their hereafter, whatever the matter may be. Also, وَإِنِ اسْتَعَاذُوهُ مِنَ الشُّرُورِ أَعَاذَهُمْ And if they seek refuge in Allah, asking Allah to protect them from the evils, then Allah protects them. Allah safeguards them, safeguards them and protects them from the evils. When they, those righteous, those awliya, seek that protection from Allah, and ask Allah to safeguard them, they are the ones whom Allah answers and safeguards them and protects them. وَمَعَ ذَلِكَ لَطُفَ بِهِمْ فِي كُلِّ أَحْوَالِهِمْ On top of all of that, Allah is kind to them in all of their affairs. وَلَوْلَا أَنَّهُمْ قَضَى عَلَى عِبَادِهِ بِالْمَوْتِ لَسَلِمَ مِنْهُ أَوْلِيَاءُ was it not for the fact that Allah has prescribed death upon us all, the awliya of Allah would have been saved from it. The awliya of Allah, it would not have occurred to them, but Allah has prescribed that it occurs upon everyone. Was it not to occur to anybody, it would be the awliya of Allah who would be at that top rank saved. But Allah has prescribed that death occurs to everyone though. Wallahu na'am لِأَنَّهُمْ يَكْرَهُونَهُ لِمَشَقَّتِهِ وَعَظَمَتِهِ وَاللَّهُ يَكْرَهُمْ مَسَأَتَهُمْ وَلَكِنْ لَمَّا كَانَ الْقَضَاءَ نَافِذًا كَانَ لَا بُدَّ لَهُمْ مِنْهُ So they may not desire death due to the difficulties of death. And Allah does not want to put them into any difficulty. But Allah has prescribed and decreed death upon the people. And so that is something which occurs to everyone. فَبَيَّنَ فِي هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ So Allah has mentioned to us in this hadith, صِفَةُ الْأَوْلِيَاءِ The characteristics of the true awliyaq. وَفَضَائِلُهُمُ الْمُتَنَوِّعَةِ and their great different types of virtues. وَحُصُولِ مَحَبَّةِ اللَّهِ لَهُمْ أَلَّتِي هِيَ أَعْظَمْ مَا تَنَافَسَ فِيهِ الْمُتَنَافِسُونَ And the fact that the awliya of Allah, Allah tells them that He Allah what to the awliya? Allah loves them. And that is the greatest of the achievements. That is the type of achievement from the highest levels that everybody strives for. And that's why the Salaf they used to say, لَيْسَ الشَّأْنُ أَن تُحِبَّ يعني أن تحب الله وَلَكِنَّ الشَّأْنُ أَن تُحَبَّ It is not really about you saying that you love Allah. They used to say, it's not really about you saying you love Allah. 
All of the Muslims, you ask them, they will say, yes, I love Allah. But really the point is, does Allah love you? Everybody will say, yes, I love Allah. That isn't the real point. The real point they used to say is, does Allah love you? Look at the example of one of the battles, Khaybar, I believe. When the companions, they went out with the Prophet ﷺ, they were going to this battle, and when the Prophet ﷺ left Medina to go out to this battle, Ali ibn Abi Talib at that time had a problem with his eyes, had some, some virus or something in his eyes. So he couldn't go out with them to participate in that jihad. He was left behind in Medina. The rest of them went. Problem with his eyes, he couldn't go. After they left, Ali ibn Abi Talib felt extremely upset. They've gone. And I've been left here behind. I cannot participate with the Prophet ﷺ. He felt very, very upset. And very unsettled and uncomfortable. But he couldn't go. Problem with his eyes like, you know, these days what do you call it? Uh, huh? No, that other one, the red eye, everybody gets it. What do you call it? Conjunctivitis, those types of things. Something, you know, something which makes it a problem in your eyes. Some type of eye problem. But even then, even then, when they all went, and he had this big problem in his eyes, can't really go and participate. He couldn't help himself. He went. He went and he caught up with them. That night, when they camped up, before going into enemy territory, outside on the boundaries they camped up. And the Prophet ﷺ said to them, that tomorrow, غَدًا لَأُعْطِيَنَّ الرَّايَةِ رَجُولًا يُحِبُّ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولًا وَيُحِبُّهُ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ Tomorrow I will give the flag of the army because the Prophet ﷺ wasn't going to lead them in. He was going to give the flag to somebody else, put them in charge to lead the army in. So he said, tomorrow I'm going to give the flag to somebody. I'm going to give the flag to somebody. That person is somebody who loves Allah and the Messenger. And... Allah and His Messenger love him. So now the Prophet ﷺ has given a testimony that whoever gets the flag tomorrow is somebody who Allah loves. So that night, obviously the Prophet ﷺ didn't tell him who's gonna be yet. Next day he's gonna tell him. That night all of them were discussing who's it gonna be, and they were all thinking and Who's gonna get the flag? Umar ibn al-Khattab. Umar ibn al-Khattab. The one who used to walk down the street and the shayateen. Shayateen used to run away. Umar ibn al-Khattab. He said, Never in my life had I ever wanted authority. That's how they were. They never wanted authority and position and to be the top man. He said, I never wanted that kind of thing ever in my life. Never did I want authority. Never. 
But that night, he said I was thinking I want to be the one who's given the flag. How come? If he never wants authority, why does he want authority now? Or does he really want authority now? So when Umar ibn Khattab said, that night, I was hoping I get the flag. Was it because he wanted to be the leader of the army and take them in? And Was that his thinking? So why did he want it then? Why did he want this? Because then he would know that he is a man whom Allah loves and the messenger loves. That's what they all wanted. They're not bothered about authority, but they wanted that. They knew whoever gets picked, the Prophet ﷺ has said already, he is somebody, I testify, Allah loves him and the messenger loves him. So they were all wanting to be given the flag the next day. When next day came, the Prophet ﷺ, he said to them, Aina Ali ibn Abi Talib. Where is Ali ibn Abi Talib? They said, Obviously he'd caught up to them now, but he still had all of this virus in his eyes. They said, That he's got a problem with his eyes. He's maybe somewhere in the camp somewhere, but he's got a serious problem with his eyes. The Prophet said, bring him. So they came with him. They went and got him and they brought him. The Prophet it's mentioned, spittle. Not spit, spittle spittled into his eyes and made dua for him. And he was cured. This is from the miracles of the Prophet ﷺ, the mu'jizat. He was cured. And then the Prophet ﷺ gave the flag that day to Ali ibn Abi Talib. Radiallahu anhu. And he told him, go down there into the enemy lines slowly. And when you get there, first, do what? Attack and what? Do what? First, call them to the shahada. Tell them about Tawheed. Give them that chance. Tell them and explain to them and call them to Tawheed. If they accept, done. No need to go further. If they don't, then we go further. So anyway, that is the narration to highlight here. To highlight that the issue is one of Allah loving the servant. The issue is of Allah loving the servant. So here, that is what is mentioned. The characteristics and the virtues of those awliya whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. And this is the greatest thing you can compete for. Here, that is what the Shaykh Sa'di says, وَحُصُولْ مَحَبَّةِ اللَّهِ لَهُمُ الَّتِي هِيَ أَعْظَمُ مَا تَنَافَسَ فِيهِ الْمُتَنَافِسُونَ That is the greatest thing those who are competing can compete for. You compete for the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَأَنَّهُ مَعَهُمْ وَنَاصِرُهُمْ وَمُؤَيِّدُهُمْ وَمُسَدِّدُهُمْ وَمُجِيبُ دَعْوَاتِهِ and that Allah is the one who is their aider, the one who supports and aids them and rectifies and makes them strong and answers their dua. فَيَدُلُّ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ 
على إثبات محبة الله. So this hadith affirms to us the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah loves وَتَفَاوُتِهَا لِأَوْلِيَائِهِ بِحَسَبْ مَقَامَاتِهِمْ And that the level of love that Allah loves you with will depend on how much you do in your level. Your fulfillment of the obligations, but then moving on and doing also the nawafil. And that's why it's important to pray the sunnah prayers that go with the obligatory prayers. The rawatib, not to abandon them, pray them along with the fara'il, pray them along with the obligatory prayers, with the fasting, do the optional fasting now and again when you can, rest of the year. Zakat, you've done that, give sadaqah rest of the year when you get opportunity, money from here and there. A brother told me, when he gets his wage, every time he gets a wage, every time he gets income, he said he has like a drawer at home. A section of his wage, every time he gets it, every time he gets income, one small section he takes and just puts it in the drawer. That's his charity drawer. Just puts it in there. Every time he gets, puts it in there, every time he gets more income, more wage coming in from his work, takes a small bit out and puts it into that drawer. That's all his charity. He gets it out, God gives it in charity to the mosque and things every month, every two months. One time he said, I went to look how much is in there now. Let me go take it and give it in charity to the mosque or something. He said one time, and I, he said it was, I wasn't expecting a big amount. It was just recently, last time I'd emptied it out. He said one day I went there, opened it, and there was so much in there. From the barakah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's been slowly putting just bits and bits away. He said I opened it and I couldn't believe how much I put there. And all I've been doing is just a few pounds here, a few pounds there. You're putting it away from your, from your spare change and from your income. And he said, I opened it, I couldn't believe how much was in there. And he said, jokingly, I was thinking, maybe I should just go on holiday with all this. But then he said, no, this is for the charity, sadaqah. And he gave it in sadaqah. Gave it and used it for the da'wah. So this is how a person should be with his actions and his worship and his behavior. وَوَصَفَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَوَصْفُ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ لِأَوْلِيَاءِ اللَّهِ بِأَدَاءِ الْفَرَائِضِ وَالْإِكْثَارِ مِنَ النَّوَافِ الْمُطَابِقِ لِوَصْفِ اللَّهِ لَهُمْ بِالْإِيمَانِ وَالتَّقْوَى Allah has described the awliya as being people of iman and taqwa. The true awliya of Allah are people of iman and taqwa. Allah said in the Quran, Ala inna awliya Allah, la khawfun alayhim wa la hum yahzanun, alladhina amanu wa kanu yattaqun. That indeed the awliya of Allah, they have no fear upon them. Nothing to fear in what's coming in the hereafter. Wa la hum yahzanun, and neither do they have anything to grieve over what's gone by. Neither do they grieve over the past, nor do they fear over the future. The true awliya of Allah. The ones whom Allah is in their aid and giving them success. Why? Why have they got this? Because Allah says, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَكَانُوا يَتَّقُونَ Those who have iman and they have taqwa. Taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
taqwa because they want that pleasure of Allah and the reward of Allah. Taqwa means, means what? What is the definition of taqwa? Anybody? Nobody knows what taqwa is. None of us know what taqwa is. Fear, piety, avoiding displeasing Allah. The scholars, they said in like a brief definition, one of the definitions mentioned, taqwa basically is that you perform the obligations upon you, upon evidence, you don't do bid'ah and things, obligations upon evidence, desiring the reward from Allah, not for showing off another people. Fulfill the obligations with evidences, sincerely desiring the reward of Allah. And stay away from the prohibitions mentioned in the evidences, fearing the punishment of Allah. That is taqwa. If you do all of that, you are muttaqi. You're doing all of the obligations upon evidence, desiring the reward from Allah. And you're staying away from the prohibitions upon evidence, fearing the punishment of Allah. If you do that, taqwa. That is the definition they give briefly of taqwa. And the final point the Shaykh mentions in the explanation of the hadith, وَيَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ أَصْلٍ عَظِيمٍ وَهُوَ أَنَّ الْفَرَائِضِ مُقَدِّمَ عَلَىٰ النَّوَافِلِ وَأَحَبُّ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَأَكْثَرُ أَجْرًا وَثَوَابًا That the obligatory acts get priority over the supererogatory acts. <coughs> That's why it's an interesting point. Shaitan comes and wants to make you do what? Maximum, he wants to make you do maximum thing. Shirk. That's the maximum thing he wants to try and make you do shirk. End up in the hellfire forever. Can't make you do that, minor shirk. Can't make you do that, sins, major sins. Can't make you do major sins, minor sins. Can't make you even do minor sins. What will he make you do? He can't make you do shirk, alhamdulillah. He can't make you do minor shirk. Minor shirk, you don't end up in the hellfire forever. He can't even make you do that though. Major sins, can't even get you to do that. Minor sins, he can't even convince you to do that. So what's he going to do with you then? Riya is like minor shirk. He can't get you to do any sins, nothing. So what's he going to do with you? He makes you do worship. He makes you do worship. But which one? The lesser worship and makes you miss the obligatory. You're sitting at home, you're reading your book, you're revising this lesson. You go home and you're listening to the audio and you're revising this lesson. And you're reading your notes and you're doing good, mashaAllah. Shaitan got you to revise your lesson, mashaAllah. But then the time for the prayer comes. You look at the thing, ah, it's Asr time now. Ten minutes is going to be the jama'ah in the mosque. But you know, I'm nearly finished with my notes. I think I should just finish this last bit. And then I can just pray asr later. I'll miss the jama'ah. So shaitan makes you carry on. Do it, do it, finish it. You're doing so good. You nearly memorized it. Oh, just finish it now. Don't break it up with the prayer now. If you break it up now, you go, you come back. You got to do shopping afterwards, this, that, the other. So he makes you sit and carry on doing revision and studying and worship, mashaAllah. But at the expense of having made you miss 
an obligation. So if the shaitan can't make you do anything else, he'll make you miss the higher worships and let you do the smaller ones. He'll think at least let me do that much with him then. Let me try and make him miss the high obligations and he only does the less. The lesser he can keep you down, the more he tries. If he can even get that much, he thinks okay, at least I'll just make him do that much then. At least I'm keeping him away from the big acts and the big rewards. All of that. So a true wali from the awliya of Allah does not fall for this type of thing. Rather, you fulfill the obligations. And then on top of that, you fulfill the nawafil, seeking closeness to Allah via them. We'll conclude upon that hadith. Any questions? Anything on that or unrelated to the class? What's the Islamic date today? 24th. About 23rd, 24th something, huh? One week left of the Islamic year. The Islamic year, one week left. Then it's going to be the month of Haram. Is it allowed to say Happy New Year? Scholars have mentioned this. At the end of the month, people have become used to the habits of society. The New Year's resolution. Not gonna eat as many cakes next year. Not gonna go to the takeaways five times a week, only four times a week. All the New Year resolutions, all of these types of things, fireworks, it's the new Islamic year, a new start. All of this type of thing is not Islamic. There's no celebration of the new year. There's no congratulations of the new year. So that is something perhaps to bear in mind next week if you start seeing messages going around. The congratulations and happy new Islamic year and these types of things that people make. Don't forward those types of things. It is not Islamic to do that. To send around happy new year messages. Happy new Islamic year messages. These types of things are not legitimate. So, if there's no questions, nothing else to add, we'll conclude upon that. And inshallah ta'ala will carry on, hopefully, uh, two weeks time, in two weeks time. In two weeks time, we'll carry on with the next session on this, inshallah ta'ala. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.